0: Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. You guys have a seat. Well, uh, here's the thing. If this is your first time with us, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, we totally understand uh, the courage it takes to walk into a church um, you know, th- there's not a lot of windows in the sanctuary. And so you kind of want to look around and go, What's, w- what is going on in there? And so uh, we're going to do just, we want to let you know what we're going to do. Uh, we just had worship, and I'm going to speak for about 25, 30 minutes, and then we'll end with some sort of uh, ministry or whatever God wants to do here. Uh, but it'll be uh, really simple, and it'll be at a time to hopefully connect with your heart. Um, the reason I'm sitting down and I'm in shorts is not because we believe that the gospel is casual, okay? So uh, uh, it's because we had a a car wreck uh, um, four or five weeks ago, four weeks ago, and um, it's really hard to get on pants. And so uh, I figured that if uh, Jesus could just do a sermon on a mount, I could do a sermon in a chair. And um, And so if... Um, uh, me not being in a suit bothers you you can get saved at the end of service (laughs) Uh, 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 no but seriously uh, uh, we're joking a little bit but we want you to have a good time and we want to speak the word to you Um, I I believe that you're not here by accident I believe that there's a calling on your life regardless of if you know it or not I believe that there's a purpose in you regardless if you know it or not and so I'm going to do uh, real good to try to keep your attention in a chair. If, if you have never seen me stand, I really can. Uh, it, it, that's kind of a neat deal. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty energetic, so I'm going to do the best I can in this chair. Let's get right into it. We're going to start a new series called Living the Dream, and we're going to just talk about this for four weeks. We're going to study Joseph. We're going to study Joseph. I believe that Joseph has some things that he can communicate to us. Joseph is a a key figure in the Old Testament. And um, his story starts about in in the end of Genesis and um, really helps save God's people and what he's about to do with the children of Israel. And so I'm pretty excited about this. Romans 8, 28 says this, And we know that all things work together for good, For those that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, you know what? A lot of people, this is kind of one of those fancy Christian verses. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the one that if you've been at church at all, John 3:16 and then you know Romans. And 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 here's the thing about this verse it is it is incredible because the gospel is the go- the good news. There is hope in the gospel. I don't care where you've been, your hurts, habits and hang-ups. God can change your life. He takes broken things and makes them beautiful. But here's the thing. He does this is not the genie in the verse. Bible verse. You know the genie in the lamp when you rub the lamp? Come on, you remember the Disney cartoons back when you were a kid and poof, the, the genie would come out and get, grant whatever wish. That's not what it says. It says, For those that are called according to his purpose. There is your purpose, there is his purpose. If you're doing his purpose, it'll work out. If you're doing your purpose, it does not mean that God can't get a hold of you, but God will have to wait till you come to the end of you so that you can start. Come on, does that make sense? That's what God will do. He will love you. The Bible says that he waits patiently for you, that there is no judgment for you right now. There will be a day for judgment. That day, isn't, that day has been withheld. There will be a day when we will stand at the mercy seat. And we will be judged, but that day is not today. God is giving us time to reconcile our past, our hurts, our hangups, and wh- why we come in and we worship. And well, this is kind of freaky. They, they, they lift their hands. Well, I, I I understand that, but here's the deal: the Bible repetitively tells us to lift our heavy hands. In fact, in Second Timothy, Paul is writing a letter to a young man that he mentored. And Paul said this, I wish that all men would lift their hands and sing songs of praise. When we tell you that we are doing biblical acts of worship, here's the deal. The church has been more traditional than biblical, and the church as a whole has uh, uh, been more out of tradition, but we sing, and I get it, not all of us are singers, if you come sit by me, you will hear real quick, fast, in a hurry that I'm not a singer. But yet, we're all supposed to sing. So, I, 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 you may be here, and you may think, wow, I just love this church, but the music's too loud. It's too loud. We turn it up on purpose. We don't want to hear you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to tell the, the reality is, I want a place where people can belt it out, because I've been to too many churches where they watermelon. Have you ever been next, sitting next to someone, and I'm, we're just talking a little bit, but everybody's supposed to be singing, but nobody's singing. It's like we're just kind of, that's tradition. You, the reason that God wants us to sing his praise is because it's a worldview. It's positional. Guess what? We love to praise ourselves. We love to praise ourselves, our mentality, what we know, our degree, where we've come from, how great our family is, how great of a financial manager we've been. All we love to praise ourselves. And you may not know that, but you give a lot of accolades to the way you think. It's pretty important for us to come in and say, "Okay, God, I'm turning me off." And I'm going to go ahead and present to you an offering, and I'm going to praise you. I'm spending a lot of time talking about our purpose and His. When we are called according to His purpose, that means we no longer govern ourselves on the way we feel, but we govern ourselves based on what He commanded, then guess what? God will eventually turn those broken moments, those hard moments, those heavy moments, and He will change them to our good because His word, check this out, does not come back void. In other words, if we apply it, it grows. It's a seed. It'll grow. I'm so excited about the series that we're going to talk about because I believe that God is the giver of dreams, visions, and callings. I believe that there is a calling on our lives. And, and I know that that's kind of, if you haven't been in church, that kind of a churchy term. So I want to kind of explain it a little bit. Uh, when we see LeBron on the court, you can see that he has a calling to play basketball when you see different singers come on anybody watch american got talent it's amazing that some of the talent that comes out you're like, okay, they have a call they not only have they worked hard to perfect their craft but they're gifted to do it you know there's some people there's some things you can't teach you can't teach speed if you've been in athletics at all you can't teach speed either you're fast or you're not fast. <laughs> you know I was kind of like not fast and so You can't teach timing. You can teach in baseball where to put the ball, but you can't teach someone when to hit. There's some things you can't teach. God has callings, gifts, purposes, visions for all of us, and He wants us to mature, develop those, and build His church. That's what He wants. There are many times that God called people into action. And I'm just going to give you a few verses. We're not going to put them on the screen, but the last one we will. Genesis 1:28, God called to Adam and told him to take Eve and multiply. God called to them and wanted them to act. Genesis 12, we see that God begins the calling of Abraham. And then he calls Abraham, he calls Isaac, and he calls Jacob. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus calls to Simon and Peter in a boat and says, come follow me. And they're, they're fishing. And they're like, that's the funniest verse to me because they're like, okay, that's the, my row. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, they row back to the shore and they get out and they're like, cool, where are we going for like ever? I mean, it's like, if that would have been my wife. She would have had to know details, plans. We, we, like, where are we staying? What, what is, when you said follow, what does that mean? I would have been like, yeah, a party? People? Let's go. You know what I'm saying? But but it's amazing that they just got out of the boat because they heard something deeper than an idea. It was a calling. It was a calling. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. And I want to put this on the screen. It says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's why we care about missions. That's why we care about outreach. That's why we care about people. Check this this out. When the church becomes focused on its brokenness, then we are an incubator for people's sad stories. When we realize that God wants to use us in spite of us, then we become a catalyst, and through our brokenness and our tears and our pain, God uses our story, then we become light in darkness. Does this make sense? We have a mantle, and Jesus, yes, he was talking to the disciples in this moment, But this carries for all of us. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. Here is why we are not winning in our culture. Because we love the idea of going to help people but we've not perfected what he commanded us to do so we have no transformational power to really change people's situations. So we're going out and helping the needy and leaving them needy. Does it make sense? There is a process. Who was he talking to? He was talking to the disciples. Who were the disciples? They were discipled. He did not go up to random people and say go out to all the world and love them. There was an expectation of we've done life, you've been trained, you know how to pray, you know how to seek me, you know how to get results. Now that you are mature in your faith there is an expectation on you, come on somebody, to go out and do the things that you saw me do and we will win in a dark culture. You cannot send people out to win the lost when everything in them is broken. Come on, is that right? You cannot teach people how to make money if you have no money. You cannot teach people how to be a great parent if you've never had children. You cannot teach people. Come on, somebody. I love the fact that you've read a bunch of marriage books, but I love you. But if you're not married, we're probably not gonna put you as the leader of the married life group. (laughs) Why? It's not because we devalue you, it's because we want you to stay in a lane that you know something, come on somebody, about. Jesus had this idea that I am going to walk with you, transform your life, call to you, call something out of you, train you, equip you, and release you, and then we would see much fruit. That's why coming on tr- to church on Sunday, which I love that you're here, because it would be very hard to preach to an empty crowd I would do it, uh, uh, but that's why Sunday, Life Groups, Growth, Framework, all of these things are intentional because visitors come checking us out. And rightly so. I mean, there's a lot of people who I just don't know about church. But once we get, hopefully, you from Visitor to community to trust and i know that takes time i i know it takes a long time to become someone's pastor i'm i'm not insecure about that i walk with you but here is the goal is to get you productive and here's the deal we can't know what's in you until we trust you and we can't trust you till you trust us does that make sense that that's just Well, I just don't know about that. Well, that's life. That's relationships. That's a building. And Jesus modeled this with all of his disciples. It was no, 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 no. Why, 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 why? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? What are you thinking? Go do. You're great. Awesome. Good. Go. Tell me about the story. Tell me about the story. Tell me about the story. All right, I'm leaving it all with you. And we don't really want that. We want to come in and think our gift is going to so advance us that we can skip process. That doesn't happen. And when that happens, there are church splits. There is a process, and God did not save people and then promote them. He saved them, trained them, released them watched how they grew, and then all of a sudden, he trusted that what was planted was growing, and he backed off. There is a calling in your life. It can sit dormant. It can be hurt. It can be frustrated. It can be confused, but it's there. I am confident that there is a picture that God has painted and put in your soul. And I believe that one of the giftings of this church is to help hold the ladder as, it cl- as you climb up. One of the five values, and I'm not going to talk about our purpose, but the last one is to fuel your purpose. I believe that we won't have to entice you to come to church if you're working your calling. Because you'll want to come. I got to come. I'm leading the life group. I got to come. I got to see my people. I got to come. I'm, I'm using my gift. I got to come. I got to be there. You know, it's no longer, oh, should I go? Should I not go? I was watching uh, this show, and I'm going to just say it, okay? So don't judge me. But I was watching this show, Last Man Standing. And it was funny because he was, he was talking about taking his kids to church. And, and, and it was like such a big ordeal for them just to go to church. I think that's like episode 10. Um, but <laughs> season one. But, but, uh, uh, But it was funny because I remember being younger, and that is how it was such an ordeal to come to church. But now, 15, 25, 30 years later, it's no longer a deal. I can't wait to be here. And that's because I was an attendee. But something began to happen along the way, and ownership, calling, vision, All of that started to come out, and I knew that I was a part of the body, come on, of Christ. And it changed the way I looked at everything. The dream in you is how you're going to impact people. How are you going to use what God has called you to do to impact people? And as we see over the next few weeks, uh, bringing the dream to pass isn't always easy. I'm not going to tell you it's easy. And anybody who preaches an easy gospel has never tried to lift it. Cuz this easy gospel will make you give up some things in your life. And anybody who can preach a gospel that says you can have it all and give up nothing? I'm telling you, uh that, that's, that's like a pyramid scheme. So, uh, I'm, I'm just telling you. Y'all don't get mad at me. Listen, listen. The fact of the matter is, we all face discouragement, resistance, frustration, and many other challenges. We all face these. And you may be here, and you may have thought, my dream can never happen. And here's what I'm telling you is, That's a lie. That's a lie. I believe that there is something burning in you. And and, and it may be frustrated. It may be dormant. But how do you deal with when your current reality doesn't match the thing burning inside your heart? Maybe your idea of, of the dream was to produce a loving marriage absence of being uh, vindictive and absence of drama. Maybe you grew up with a lot of drama and you wanted to change that. Maybe you wanted to be an involved parent, a life-giving parent, loving, and you didn't have that growing up, and so it was very hard and domineering, and, and you wanted to change that. Or the parenting was passive, and you said, you know what, I, I really want to do this different. I have a dream. Maybe it was to be financially secure and because... Begin, a, begin to be a giver and really build the kingdom of God and finance the kingdom of God. Maybe it was to use your musical gifts. Maybe you have talents playing the keyboard, playing the guitar, the drums, and you just want to kind of use that. Maybe it's to get that business up and started and finally be that entrepreneur you were thinking about or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's just wanting to work with kids and children, and, and speak life into them. and You don't want to babysit. I, I want to minister to the hearts of kids. Here's what I'm telling you. For you to get that dream out, it's going to require a lot from you. Yeah. For Katie and I, we, ha- we had a dream to impact people, to see live tra- lives transformed, and to plant this li- life-giving church uh, a little over two years ago, and to see families step into their calling and out of bondage and into freedom. Um, we wanted to see people receive healing through the Word, even even spiritually, supernaturally, receive healing to overcome their adversity. Can Anybody had labels put on them? Come on, to overcome labels, to, to break generational curses in their life. And to be truthful, when we were thinking about this and dreaming about this, we never thought that we would go through a year where we had a daughter that almost died. We had a car wreck. You know, when you think about the dream, you always think about the potential. You never think about the process. You always think about how big and awesome. And here's the deal. I remember being in young services. Come on, anybody ever go to a youth service as a child? Any A, a, a camp, a retreat? Come on, put your hands up. Anybody ever do something like that? I remember, and, and, and it was more of a spiritual uh, camp. It was more of a prophetic ministry camp. And I, I remember being on the front row and this guy just had this gift of prophecy. And I remember sitting on the front row I oh, knew I would have been on the front row, I was like on the halfway through the row and he would call out people and I was like, you know I, I wanted it to be me. I wanted to just speak something over me because in my life I was broken. See I, I, I had these cycles that I had to deal with. And see, some of it wasn't sin, it was just habits. See, and I had these three major cycles that I had to learn to overcome. My first was security. I was adopted from a foster home. My parents got divorced. Uh, we, we, uh, I rem- we lost uh, a couple homes for foreclosure. I was at college, and, and they came and repossessed my car. I was on reduced lunches. I lived in low-income housing. My security was always in flux. I went to remedial classes, so at that point in time, four times a year, if you were on reduced lunches, you had to all go into the cafeteria, they had to check your name. It's not good or bad, well, the process is, is changing and better, and obviously, but but I remember going into remedial classes and having to get up and go to, to the dumb classes. Come on, you, you know what I'm talking about? And so, whenever my security was rocked, I went to insecurity. And so... I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I won't do it. It won't happen. I had asthma. I tried to run. I'm, not, I'm the only guy running track with, with an inhaler around my neck. You know what I'm saying? I'm running, and, and, and I actually did pretty good. I was long distance. I ran, but there was like these, this one guy I could never beat him Brian Pershing. I could never beat him. <laughs> And so I'm just always not good enough, and then that led me into control. And by God, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna control my. And so I worked harder than that. I'm gonna do it. And I'm in control. I'm gonna control my family, my wife, my kids, my life. No one's gonna. Well, here, here's what happened. Is for me to plant something life giving. God had to change everything in me. Yeah, We're gonna read a passage real quick, and I, and I want you to, to look at this. Genesis chapter 37, and it's it's pretty lengthy, but I want you to get the story. Now Jacob dwelled in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan, and this is the history of Jacob, okay? Don't, we are talking about Joseph, but don't, don't, don't miss what we're really talking about, Okay? Joseph was 17 years old, and he was feeding the flock with his brothers, and the lad was with the sons of Billah and the sons of Zippah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report to them to his father. In other words, he's coming, he's like, yeah, my brothers aren't doing too good, blah, blah, blah. You know, if you have four kids, two kids, one kid, it doesn't matter, they're telling on somebody, come on. Uh, now, Israel loved Joseph more than all the other children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that his, their father loved him more than all the brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now, Joseph had a dream, and he told his brothers, and they hated him even more. <laughs> so he said to them, Please hear my dream, which I have. I don't know about you, but this is funny to me. Like maybe Joseph needs a little bit of self-awareness because I tend to know when people hate me. Like, I don't I I don't know. Maybe it's a gift. Maybe it's spiritual. I don't know. But I feel like when I'm in a conversation with someone and I'm feeling the hate vibes, that's not really when I bare my soul. I'm pretty thinking in the conversation, move on. I'm not thinking I've got something really deep and dark to tell you. <laughs> I really feel like you're a close ally. and I really want to impart this to you. It's kind of secret. You know I, I mean, they hated him even more. Look at this. Um, so he said to them, "Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There they were, binding their sheaves in the field. Behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. It's a great, great dream. <laughs> and his brother said to him, You shall indeed reign over us, or you shall indeed have dominion over us. So they hated him even more for his dream and his words. Then he dreamed another dream and told his brother, I have one more. <laughs> I, this is so funny to me. Like, like I'm just I'm just like, Joseph needed a lot of training because he didn't understand. After the first attempt, he tried it again. Look at this. And he said to his brothers, Shall you indeed? Oh, listen, no, I skipped some. There they were. No, I did the sheaves, right? And eight. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bow down to me. Great. Great, Joe. Good, good one. He told his fathers and his brothers, and his fathers rebuked him and said, What is this dream that you've dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come and bow down before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept this matter in mind. I want to put this into perspective because here is an immature dreamer. He heard something from God, but he did not know what he heard. See, he thought the dream was about him, but really the dream was about God protecting his people and keeping covenant. See... In When Joseph matures, he was 17 when he was put into slavery. He was 30 when he took over ruling. And he was 40 when he saw his brothers again. At 40, he had compassion on them and knew his dream was not about his authority. It was about saving people. When he began his dream, it was about how great am I and I'm going to be better than you. Do you hear what I'm saying? For all of you dreamers out there, and I want this church to be a church of dreamers. I want to dream, baby. I I don't care if you're, well, this sounds like a sermon for the 20s. Caleb was 85 years old, and he said, I'm still going to take this mountain. If you give up your dreams because you've passed 30, that's your own fault. You need to be dreaming and achieving until you go to heaven. You need to be dreaming and achieving, but here's the thing. Are your dreams about you or your dreams about what God wants to do, come on, through you? There are three thoughts that I want to give you real quick for dreamers. First is this. There is a bigger meaning for your dream than you think. See, Joseph thought the dream was about how awesome he was going to be. But really, everything that God gives you is to help save someone else. You have an intelligent mind. How is that affecting other people? You are great in finances. How does that affect other people? You can serve. You can give. You know how to build things. You know how to lead worship. You know how to do. How is that affecting other people, here's the thing. There is a bigger meaning for your dream than you think. Check this out. God promised Abraham that his descendants would be numerous. This is Genesis 13. That his descendants would eventually become many nations. And here's the thing. At this time, Jacob had 77 family members. They were not big enough to take over Canaan. So God sent the children of Israel to Egypt to grow, to become a nation so that they could take Canaan. It was never about Joseph. It was always about God. Your dream has everything to do with other people. That's what it is. Your dream is bigger than you think. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. And so that should cause you to experience a little pain. That should cause you to experience a little discomfort. That should cause you, come on, to get outside of yourself. That should cause some things to happen in you because, here's what the Bible says, the workers are few, but the harvest is ready. Why would Jesus say that? Because there are a few that understand that every gift, every ability, everything that you excel out, excel out, in is given to you for building the kingdom. Come on, is this good? That's the truth. That's the truth. The second thing is this. There will always be people who won't believe your dream, but still benefit from it. Frustrated? Come on, let me. We are in a world that we love to disconnect people. We love, oh, come on, I, I'm not your friend anymore. We're friends, we're not friends. You know what I mean? I'm going to cut you off Facebook. I'm going to cut you out of my life. The truth of the matter is, even though Joseph's family and brothers did not believe in the dream, they still benefited, benefited from it. Dreams are seeds that are planted in your soul. Joseph was more than a dreamer, he had favor but no friendship. See, you, you, you think you can do a lot of fa- with favor, but the truth of the matter is, if Katie and I like you, you ain't getting too far. Everybody else got to like you, if you're going to do ministry. See, favor without friendship leads to no results. Joseph had to come through a time when he had to learn and grow, and God was going to develop something in him. There is something different about him. Check this out. Yet his peers refused to acknowledge it. At this church, we don't want to be those people. Come on, we want to be a church that, that if, if someone says, I believe that God's called. Now, let me just tell you this. We want to promote your calling. We don't want to promote your pride. There's a difference. There's a difference. Well, I believe that I can do anything, okay, within your gift mix. But here's the deal. I'm probably not going to be the President of the United States. So when you say, hey, we're in church, we believe you can do anything. Well, within your gift mix, we believe that. We, we choose to agree with God what God's doing in you, and we don't want to ever hold anybody back, but... We're going to love and and walk in truth. That's how we grow people. Come on, the worst thing that we could do is make someone a singer who's not a singer. Because someone went up and said, oh, I believe you have a calling, oh God. No, you like their face and they're smiley. They have a smiley face, they have a great disposition, but they're not a singer. Well, I, I just really feel like my calling is on the stage. Baby, if you can't sing, it ain't. Well, I just don't know if I agree with that. That's fine. There's other churches. Well, I just feel like I'm called to play the drums. Great. But if you can't keep beat, you can't find the two and the four. That ain't your call. See, the reality is we want to fulfill dreams. We think we should be able to do anything. There are things that I cannot do. Listen, I'm probably not going to be a college professor. Mainly because I can't spell. So, so there are things that I can do and there are things that I can't do. My job is to connect with what God's called me to do so that I can thrive and bear much fruit. Not be jealous of everybody else's gifts and try to do everybody else's thing and never develop my own. Come on. Listen, as, as a church... We want to be people that promote what God is doing in people. We want to call out leadership. We want to call out potential. We want to call out, and we don't want to be jealous. Don't, let's not be a jealous church. Let's not be jealous. Let's not be envious of other people. Well, you know, Kelsey or, or the welcome mat or so and so or that. Da- we want to thrive. And we're not going to thrive in jealousy. Here's the thing that makes me me sad about this story with Joseph. Is that his family belittled him and bypassed him. We are creating a church. And yeah, we want it to be a family. Now... People come here all the time and they're like, I just like this little church. And I'm just, we ain't going to be little forever. Yeah. So just know that. we're not gonna. Well, what, what's the, I just want to really know what the vision for this church is. The vision for this church is to have seventy seven churches by the time I'm 62. That's the vision. We're going to have multiple locations. I don't know what that looks like, so don't ask me. I'm going to let God figure that out. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to train up leaders. I'm going to train up men and women of God. I'm gonna to try to hold the ladder as they climb up. We're gonna train up worship leaders and pastors and people and finance people, and we're gonna train up people, and God is gonna give seed to the sower, and God's gonna do some stuff, and I don't know how God's gonna do it, so don't ask me. But here's what I'm telling you is we need dreamers. Dreamers this is my last point, and I'm gonna be done. Dreams require faith. Dreams require faith. Faith is the central takeaway from the beginning of this story. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. I'm here to tell you, the dream inside you is going to take some faith. Not faith in yourself. Not faith in your family. Not faith in your abilities. Not faith in your favor. Not faith in any other thing. But faith in God, faith that God will help you when you see no way out. Faith that God will heal you when you're wounded and broken. Faith that God will hold you when you feel like you're by yourself. Faith that God, what he starts, the Bible says, that he will finish and that he will do today. Are there any dreamers in this church? My hope is that there is. That there is something burning inside of you. And here's what it is. It's called more. More. I'm not trying to have everybody leave with anxiety. I don't know my dream. I don't know my dream. More. More. That's it. That's the dream. More. More. God, I I, want to use... God, I want to help... God, I want to grow. God, I want to change. God, I want to heal. God, I, I, I want to be a better parent. God, I want to I want to be a better mate. God, I, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be frustrated. I don't want to, God, I wanna more. More. My hope is that you hear that call, the call to more. The call to be a part. The call to take a courageous step. Today, maybe your more is just going to get some taco soup and coming back for framework. Maybe your more is coming to the 38 and over. We're going to eat barbecue at at Joe's Bar. I don't know. You can talk to me afterwards. We're going to go eat barbecue. And we're just going to sit around the table because that's what 38 and over people do, I guess. Uh, You know what I'm saying? We may have a food fight and get crazy. Listen. Do not squelch the more in your life because you feel like your season has passed. You've made too many mistakes. A divorce happened. A brokenness happened because that is the accuser of the brethren and that will steal your dream and we cannot be a church that is growing with no dreamers. Believe more than doubt. Believe more than doubt. You are more than a dreamer. And today as we end, maybe your first assignment is just to say, God, have my heart. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.